Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to episode 23 of the Runners World podcast, the weekly podcast bringing you all the latest running news, views, and interviews. I'm Rick Pearson, the Runners World section editor, and I'm here with Ben Hobson, the deputy digital editor. Ben. Tell us what we got coming up this week. Uh, this week we are talking to the man behind power, speed and endurance, Brian McKenzie, who is a champion of an endurance training method based very much in the world of strength over miles. Ooh, sounds interesting. Doesn't it? Yeah. Well, I was uh, at the night of the 10,000 metre PBs on the weekend. The big one. The big one. Uh, oh, it's fantastic. Uh, I also managed to uh, skive off the Strava Media Mile. <laughs> yeah, they're encouraging. Yeah, yeah, of course. I am. Um, I cited. So me too. Uh, yeah, I cited a tight hamstring, which which is true. Um, but some of our colleagues took part, uh, and I mean, that was just a kind of footnote in what was an amazing night of of track and field. And um, yeah, it's really great to go down there and see like the buzz around track racing. Yeah, because it's because there is such a legitimate buzz as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which you know. Well, we can touch upon the IAAF's decision. If you really wanted a benchmark event that highlighted how engaged runners are with five and ten thousand, well, ten thousand meters, but that yeah. that 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 distance of running, that is the night. Hundred percent. Yeah, it really flies in the face of the what, the decision to to ban five thousand meters, ten thousand meters from the Diamond League. Mm. And I guess, you know, the message that puts out is that you know, people just aren't interested in, in, in engaging in these longer distance mm. events. But the crowds there were, you know, five or six deep. There was... There uh, was beer, though. There was beer. And, it's, and that's it. It's all about the format. Like, you put, you put beer there, you get the, the you know, spectators actually on the track. The tunnel. The tunnel. It's been called the Glastonbury of track and field. Wow. Yeah. God. Wow. It's a little bit of a stretch, but it was that a great is. night, nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, some, some good British performances, uh, particularly in the, in the female race, uh, Scotland's Steph Twell. Won the women's event in 31 minutes, 8 seconds. Flying. Yeah, Ailish McCorgan uh, just a little bit behind that as well, but another great run. And uh, in the men's race, Italy's, and I'm going to pronounce his first name wrong, undoubtedly, Yemene Berem Kripa, triumphed in, in the men's race, running in 27 minutes, 49 seconds. So, I mean, oh. just staggering times. And I think all the men in that final elite race went under 30 minutes. So that's the kind of like standard you're looking at. Yeah, I mean it's 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 up there, and then the atmosphere and the crowd and everyone else getting into it. A twenty-seven minute crescendo. Yes, yes, right? exactly. Is that exactly. What, that's what we're looking for? Yeah, really dramatic, and uh, yeah, great to see, great to see track and field uh, being given that kind of platform. Yeah, excellent. This is the Runners World podcast. Ben, after the fevered response to Kerry's jingle. <laughs> 
I've, I've done the only logical thing. Stopped. <laughs> I've written another jingle. Okay. I'd like to play it to you now. Please. So this is a, this is a tribute, um, a collaboration with The Who, and it's, it's called Guest of the Week, and it's a tribute to the part of the podcast in which we invite an interesting person from the world around. Great. So here it goes. Great. Guest of the Week. Sometimes on the phone Could be an athlete Could be a physio Or a complete unknown There you go, there's a who there with Guest of the Week <laughs> Yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm, I, I think each time you do this I become more and more surprised about the amount of spare time you have <laughs> That's well, a good one. I really like that one. Good. That was good. Oh, I'm glad. I'm yeah. glad. Well, look, let's not waste any more time, Ben. You can tell us uh, who we've got coming up as our guest of the week. This is the Runner's World podcast. When approaching any feat of endurance, time spent racking up the miles has always been the method most used to reach race day feeling prepared. Yet Brian McKenzie prescribes a very different approach. The founder of CrossFit Endurance believes it is strength and not mileage that most runners are lacking. It is a pleasure to have him join us on today to explain more. Brian, welcome to the Runners World podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Um, I think to just go straight in with the big question, in your opinion, what is wrong, if we use the word wrong, in a high mileage approach to training? I don't know that wrong is, like, as you alluded to, is the right word. Um, the, the problems that we will see with high mileage, and whether you're talking about the general population or elite athletes, is when someone runs into trouble from, let's say, a mechanical injury, which right. is predominantly what we see, right, versus impact injury. Um, the patterns that are set in from a neurological standpoint are really uh, well developed at that point, meaning we've set up in a compensatory pattern more than likely. That's what we all are. We're, we're, we're compensators. Now, if we're talking about professional athletes, we're talking about professional compensators. They just have done it better. They've learned to do it better, and they've learned to be able to handle things and recover from things faster. Mm. But once we, the problems, not the problem, but the, the, the issue that can set in is the patterns. And we forget that patterns are a problem. And so this is the, in essence, why we've developed the programs that we have was because we wanted to expose all said kind of different patterns so that we're actually getting the body to move more fluidly and more dynamically in a better mechanical position right wow. now that doesn't mean that a lot of these elite runners aren't doing that you know like they are it, 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 it's a fact it's just they can get away with it for so much and you know my friend my good friend dan faff who's i mean one of the greatest coaches in the world um you know he works with a lot of elite runners he says it's the same thing you know these are the same things and how, where can we start with these people who get set in these patterns and decide they just want to take time off and go back and repeat said program you know, it's like, hey, we have to look at this. That we, we got to change the paradigm a little bit here. You got to start looking at this approach a little differently. And this is, you know, just the 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 big issue that we see with these things. And don't don't think we don't see these things with high intensity programs either, because we have seen a plenty with uh, you know the CrossFit community. Well, I guess you know the kind of eighty twenty approach gets talked about, Brian. This kind of idea that eighty percent of training is, should be low intensity and twenty percent high intensity, and that seems at least to be what a lot of these elite runners, people like Mo Farah, Eli Kipchoge, are following. 
Um, yep. Why shouldn't everyday runners follow that example? What, what what kind of problems do you think they might sort of run into doing that? Well, I, I mean, that's simple. How, how fast does Elliot run? Too fast. In 26.2 miles. Yeah, like four, you, four minutes, how, 20. How yeah. You, yeah. How do you think he got there? By running quickly. Running, ru- 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 running slow. You know, that's a developmental thing. And he started off with fast, shorter distances. Mm. No elite runner in any long-distance sport has ever started off that I am aware of mm. as an elite long-distance runner. They started off as shorter course, faster runners. Mm. Shorter course, faster bicycle riders. Is it is it any is it odd that BMX racers make insanely good track cyclists, which make insanely good crit riders, which you know, and oh, fifteen hundred meters runners make incredibly good five k runners, incredibly good ten k runners, mm. and so on, right? Yeah, you know, we saw this with Haley Gabber Selassie. Sure, you know, he he went from you know what was it like five k, ten k, you know half marathon world champion, you know, uh, up to marathon when he became the, uh, you know, fastest guy in the world at that time. So, so kind of speed precedes, uh, mileage in that sense, I guess you get, you get, you get quick before you go long. That's what you say. Certainly. But now don't let that mean that I'm just saying we need to go out and run fast. Like we, we're using a very different approach right now mm. that, that, that halt, that, that slows a lot of people down who don't metabol who aren't metabolically efficient, right? Which is also exposing mechanical problems. Where we implement a, bre- a gearing system through breath control that teaches people how aerobically efficient they actually are. So going out and running a 5K, that should be a predominantly aerobic or slow glycolytic, you know, process for for 90% of the population. Yet what we're seeing is people go out and run and they're completely carb dependent and anaerobic. Just to take a quick step back, Brian, if, just to so summarize maybe the key fundamentals of, of your training in comparison then mm-hmm. to, the, to, to the long mileage, just so we can get that sort of like juxtaposition yeah. about the two. Yeah, so I think that if we start people off with more of a skill-based approach that uses intensity blocks based on how well somebody can hold up mechanically, right. meaning feeling good, looking good, approaching some intense work, um, there's nothing wrong with an 80-20% rule, you know, um, but I don't believe that that is a model that fits everyone. Mm. In fact, I know it doesn't fit everyone. Nonetheless, you know, that's like saying every program works for every person. Yeah. That doesn't, that, that, that can't, that, that's an impossibility, right? And so you have to be able to look at what actually, what, what you feel and how it works. And, and we've just found that a skill-based approach with a little more intensity added into it to develop most runners actually has the biggest bang for our buck because, by and large, all these people are, are, are working. They don't have – their professional job is not to run and recover. Yeah. You know? So we, we have to go to work, right? And, and that requires to be on again. And thus, what's, what, what's the best approach for that? And what can we get – it's a quality over quantity approach. Yeah. And quantity can come as a byproduct of the quality, but we've got to be developed properly so that when we actually start to run into trouble with, you know, we start to feel pain. Oh, hey, why am I doing that? What have I neglected doing? What am I not doing around that? You know, what could I be doing to enhance this, right? A lot of um, runners, Brian, are still worried about lifting heavy weights. And, they, and they, you know, they look at maybe 
let's say like a crossfit a classic crossfit build and say wow that's that person looks jacked <laughs> doesn't necessarily look like a classic marathon runner let's say i mean what what would you say to people who, who are worried that you know throwing around heavy weights is, is going to add uh, unwanted bulk well if if five or ten pounds of bulk has you running faster and healthier is that going to provide you with more of a smile than you know uh a it band syndrome or something that's showing up sure. all the time yeah. you know uh you know so n- nonetheless i don't think everybody should be crossfitting yeah. I, I'm not, I, I, you know, I, I've, I've, I've managed to adapt my approach or evolve my approach a little bit. There are plenty of body weight exercises, and I have seen in my time at this point, um, you know, 15-plus years dealing with this, that not everybody responds well to weight. That doesn't mean that bulk, you know, thinking bulk or putting on muscle is a bad thing yeah. um, is misunderstanding human physiology. Um, that, that's a, that, that, you know, that, that, that's just a gross misinterpretation of what your understanding of being, uh, a runner or anything is. You should be lean. You should be strong. That mm. doesn't mean you need to look like a bodybuilder. Um, you know, but it, 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 being afraid of putting on muscle is, uh, that, that, that's more of a, of a, uh, mind issue than sure, anything. Sure. Do yeah. you think that, um, in an event such as a marathon or an ultra marathon, uh, most people, are limited by their aerobic fitness or their muscle strength. I mean, because these these long endurance events where you know your body is essentially breaking down. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you guys approach then the sort of the what would be the classic time on feet kind of training attitude and and that sort of thing? From an individual standpoint, it's understanding where the athlete starts to break down. Yeah. Then 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 being able to develop a program around that so that we can maybe increase that time on feet a little bit, but not taking away from the time that we need to develop the per- the individual for their said goal, right? So if they want to hit a specific time or they want to just accomplish something, those are two very different, very different approaches. Yeah. Nonetheless, do I need to have, do I need to tear this athlete apart? in order to get them to the starting line of, a, you know, of an ultra marathon, let's say, right? The answer to that is unequivocally no. Um, and the problem with suffering type sports, endurance in general, is that we fall into this mind game of, I, you know, I, I just need to get better at suffering. Yeah. And <laughs> that, 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 that is not adaptation. That is just getting bad at that, that. That's getting you know really good at doing something that is a choice to tear oneself down. There, there, there's a big difference between the front runners and the you know middle of packers and and late finishers, right? And I'm not saying there's a problem. You know, like I'm not I'm not trying to make fun of anybody here or 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 downgrade anybody. But the fact is, is if we actually approach things from a standpoint of adaptation which is all about nature. Like, it's, you know, nature is stress and adaptation, plain and simple, and we forget that. Yeah. We forget that a lot. And, you know, the adaptation phase doesn't mean I should be running every single day, doing the same thing every single day, or trying to increase mileage every single week on something. I've got to listen to things and understand that, that, that my body responds in specific ways, and when I hit something and I need to get through that, that, that layer of recovery to come back, hit that rebound through super compensation there are a number of things that we can add in there from a stressor standpoint that are not runner running based that could inevitably have a huge 
impacts not only hormonally but physiologically that impact the runner in profound ways. And it's just we get stuck in these one way, one thing fits all because we're running a race that's going to have us on our feet for, you know, 6, 10, 12, 24, 30 hours, mm. right? And, and, and we forget that that you know, is exactly the question that you brought up is this isn't an aerobic conditioning problem. Although there are some things in there that I would now say there are some aerobic conditioning problems in there. Um, you know, but there, this is more of a strength and conditioning or a tissue problem and developing the tissue. And I think the biggest thing that we've seen, to be totally honest, is the ability for the athletes to recover post-race or post-event. Mm. I guess some people, Brian, would would worry doing a high-intensity program that they would be more likely to get injured. I understand that. Fear. Mm. Like, I understand fear. Uh, you know, I, I, I get it, man. I mean, it, it's the same thing for the person who does, you know, who's an Olympic weightlifter that says, are you crazy? You're going to go run a, a marathon or, a hundred, or, 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 or an ultra endurance event? Yeah. Why would I ever want to do that? I'd destroy myself. <laughs> that, that's fear. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, hey, what do you want to understand about that? Do you want to learn anything or do you want to just live in that fear? And, and the fact is, is I understand there's not, you know, there, there, you know there's, there's some not so great coaching out there. Mm. You know, but but this is where we have to take responsibility for ourselves and understanding that we, you know, meet the right people or or reach out to the right people and look to the right people for how we can actually apply training methodologies and ideas and the principles behind those things. And there's some great coaches. I know I know specifically there's great coaches in the UK. Yeah. Um, mm. You know, I've worked with a, a bunch of them. Um, nonetheless. You just have to seek them out. And great coaches aren't going to allow you to move in ways or do things in ways that they know or understand at this point to harm you. I think that the um, the other side of, or certainly part of your your program that is probably sort of lost in the in the sort of translation of what strength and conditioning means is, is actually that you, mobility is massively important. Yeah, I'm talking about hey, before we have a runner who's never squatted before squatting. Yeah. Let, let me see let me see you lunge with just your body weight. Yeah. Oh, okay, we can barely do that. Well, that's going to be our squat workout for today. You know, and oh, by the way, when I teach you how to stabilize into getting into that lunge or that runner's lunge, we're actually I'm going to have you hold it and so that we are actually getting some sort of mobility out of this as well and, and showing you how limited you are in extension. You know, and, and we can we can then explain to people, hey, th- this thing with extension is, is so important for you because you're actually attempting to be an extension every footstep you take mm. and you're missing it. And because you're missing it, you're now taking things like and I'm just telling a story. Right. But it's like now your hip flexors are picking up the slack. Yeah. And mm. so your pelvis is out of place. And so now you're setting your knee up for some problems, which inevitably could have, you know, ramifications for your ankles and your feet. You know, and it's a systems problem. And so we, we need to approach it from that standpoint and show people. And so loading people up and bringing them in, you know, we, we, we approach it from there's mobility in everything we do. There's an understanding of mobility. And that's what, you know, that's the difference between, you know, like a yogi and a, and a gymnast is stability. Yeah. You know, they're both doing body weight and moving through high ranges of motion. But the gymnast is, you know, using a lot more stability and dynamic approach to everything, right? And there's nothing wrong with either. But it's, you know, taking those approaches. So you would see a lot of all of those variables with inside the program that we use. I know that your program is very uh, individualized, Brian, but I wonder if we could make 
just a few generalizations when it comes to strength uh-huh. when it comes to strength and conditioning how of, yep. how often should people be be doing this stuff is once a week enough is there is there a too much approach where, where, where would you see the sweet spot with this well i'll tell you what look at it from like a running standpoint mm. if you wanted to go you know run a 5k or beyond would you just run once a week <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> now we want to make sure that you're going to accomplish your running goal yeah but <laughs> We also don't want you sore every week and damning what it is you're doing in the, you know, if you're doing some strength and conditioning. Yeah, so yeah. you're going to, so, so we're talking at least twice, if not three or more times a week sometimes, but those sessions don't always, that, that's not like high, you know, big, big approaches, you know, like, I, I mean, I was just out at Alphys, which is one of the track and field leaders in, 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 the, in the, you know, world. Um, and they deal with a lot of track and field sprinters, and there's, there's a lot of elite-level runners, uh, 1,505 Kers out there at the time, and they were all in the gym three or four days a week, you know? Um, you know, it, 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 they're doing things. It's just like, oh, hey, maybe it's not as aggressive as, like, we've put up on our programs because, they're, you know, the approach is being very individualized and careful with an individual, and that's what should happen, you know? But if you can get yourself... Up, up to understanding movement patterns and what you're doing. There's no reason you can't use intensity through your, you know, strength and conditioning work. Then inevitably, it. I mean, metabolic training is metabolic training, guys. Yeah. And if I can, if I can get things enhanced that way, I can actually complement what it is I'm doing with the running, yet not ingraining bad patterns. You know, after, for doing for for you know spending a little too much time on my feet. Brian, if people want to find out a bit more about Power Speed Endurance, where can they where can they go? PowerSpeedEndurance.com. Everything's there. All of the training ideas, um, programs, um, all of it is there to keep the you know people a little more well well rounded. Um, you know, just a, a, a little bit of a different approach to things and um, and how we kind of see the world. Brian, thanks so much for being on the uh, the Runners World podcast. It's absolutely great to to speak to you about your, your training method and. Um, yeah, a really, really fascinating approach to endurance. Thank you very much. Gentlemen, appreciate it. This is the Runner's World Podcast. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. 
That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I like any different training approach that just uh, in the mix. In the mix, they're just giving it a little shake, yeah, make, making you think differently. Yeah, I think that Brian makes loads of sense, particularly if, um, like the majority of people listening to this, you know, when you're not running, you're sitting down. So mm. things like mobility and strength are really like, yeah, can really suffer. Anyone listening who's probably injured, a lot of it will ring true. Mm. They probably aren't going to the gym as much as they should be. They are sitting down all day. Yeah. You probably have got niggles. Like, I mean, it's, it's it kind of sounds like my story at the moment. Like, yeah, I've just yeah. I've neglected a lot of stuff that I'm aware of, and I'm now injured, and I kind of understand that, and it kind of gives me a sense of like, right, here's something to knuckle down with. I know I'm not a big mileage runner. Sure. When it comes to like training, I just don't. I just physically just don't. It doesn't agree with me. Sure. Yeah. So it's nice to. Hear, I think that a lot of people maybe shoehorn themselves into a training plan. Definitely. And and think oh, I've got to run an eighty mile a week now. Yeah. But I'm, I don't know what else to do. Yeah, I was talking with um, there's a runner called Sophie Power who was on the, the podcast, mm. and she she got made the headlines when she did the UTMB while breastfeeding her a baby, and she said um, that she trained for Spartathlon, so 153 miles, mm. uh, 35 miles a week, two really good uh, heavy weight sessions. Yeah, and she did a few other hundred mile hundred miles like that as well, and it's, it actually is like. You're right, it opens the door for people because you can think, well, look, I'm just not going to run 80 miles a week, so therefore I'll never do a 100 mile, I'll never do a 50 mile. Yeah. I might not even be able to do a decent marathon because I can't run 50 miles a week. But there actually is an approach that Brian's prescribing that actually says, look, you could do 30 miles a week, but you get the other stuff right, you get quick, you get good yeah. mechanics, and yeah. actually you can do this stuff. It's yeah. quite empowering, I think. Yeah, it's really nice. I mean, it's just, it's just another great big option yes. for people to enjoy running. Agreed. That said, I think next week we're going to try and get someone on who's going to argue the other case, the case for low intensity. It would be interesting to know what listeners think. Uh, let us know. Have you tried the kind of low mileage, uh, high quality approach and uh, how did it work for you? Podcast at runnersworld.co.uk. This is the Runners World Podcast. It's that time of the week again. His fingers on a button, his ears to the ground. He's done a bit of Googling and he's had a nose around. He's a detective wearing running shoes. Carrie McCarthy and his weekly running news. Joining us in the studio, the Starskys to our hutch. <laughs> <laughs> it's our newsman, Kerry McCarthy. Kerry, welcome. Afternoon. How are we both? Yeah, very well, good. actually. Good, very well. Very much, I was yeah. riffing good, good. about the 10,000 metre PBs on, on the weekend. It was. Uh, it was very good. Very good. Didn't run, but it was other people ran very oh, well. Shame. <laughs> shame. Country's missed out on the delight there. <laughs> <laughs> right. What's been catching your eye, Gary? Well, first of all, before we start with the news, uh, I do I count as a listener if I want to give my opinion on the whole <laughs> high quality Brian McKenzie thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, I just thought I would, I would well, throw in that. Good, because you are a man who've, who's trialled this. I have, right. yes. Ahead of the time, ahead of the curve, ahead of Pioneer. almost everything. <laughs> um, no, I'm a big believer in the, in the high quality, uh, kind of high intensity, low volume approach. Um, I would stress that, you know, I agree it's not for everyone. Um, I did it a few years ago because I was a fairly typical 
sort of broken runner, lots of junk miles, plodding along, lots of imbalances and injuries. Um, and I just couldn't seem to get below four hours. Um, and I signed up to a CrossFit box in, in Hackney in East London. Yeah. And we spent four months doing a marathon training block. Uh, and I think the longest run I did was 13 miles once. And the rest of it was all um, sprints up to about 400 meters. The rest of it was CrossFit. Mm. Uh, and I took 17 minutes off my PB. Wow. There you go. Because it was purely about, as it was explained to me, my cardiovascular system was fine. You're not really taxing that during a marathon. Yeah. And it was just making sure that my body was strong enough to keep repeating that same motion for 42,000 odd steps. Yeah. So, um, you know, for, for the right people, I think it can definitely be helpful. Yeah. There oh, go. good. Great insight. Proof is in this wonderful pudding sat next to me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sugar. <laughs> right, you want some news, no yeah, doubt. That, on, is, that is indeed why I'm here. Okay, so an update on uh, London Marathon for 2020. As uh, people will probably know, there was a bit of a, a kerfuffle or a farrago mm. uh, after the marathon this year. Um, runners at the back of the pack were... Not treated well. So anyway, uh, Hugh Brasher, the event director, and the London Marathon team have conducted, um, I think, a fairly comprehensive kind of review of what's been going on. They have made some changes um, for 2020. So for anybody uh, who ran uh, slower than seven hours this year, will be offered a free guaranteed place uh, in next year's race, um, including a lady called Kerry Aldridge from Cardiff, um, who was the, the last person to finish in nine hours and 11 minutes. Right. Um, and she said she had such a horrific experience that there was no way she wanted to do it again. But having been offered this place, she's now very excited at the thought of, you know, give, coming back, yeah, giving right. it a go, banishing those demons. You know, I, I think it's, it's it's a good thing to offer that to those people. Mm. In terms of logistics, um, the marathon are going to start the cleanup operation later so as not to affect um, those running at the back. Uh, I think there are limits to what they can do because obviously they're under enormous pressure to reopen the roads for sure. Westminster yeah. Council and all that. Um, they're going to look at the timings of when water um, is handed out so that they, they make sure that there is, there is plenty to go around and it's not right. whisked away. Um, arguably, those at the back are probably in, in greater need than those further up the field, so that's a good thing. Um, they're going to have one of their most senior staff at the back to monitor activity and see what's going on, and they will stay at the back all the way through. Um, and they're going to tell contractors of the procedures that have been put in place for the back of the packers so that they're on board, just a little bit more cohesion so that everybody knows what's going on. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. we'll see we'll see what happens. Yeah, that's a pretty comprehensive response, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, you're never going to keep everybody happy. I think if the marathon want to um cater more for for the slower runners, you know, and and there are a lot of these sorts of people. running is becoming sort of more egalitarian. People are taking part for for many different reasons nowadays rather than just athletic achievement. And so I think you, you know particularly at the London Marathon where it's a huge, huge fundraising event. Yeah. Um, so I think it's probably, last year was, or rather earlier this year was very unfortunate, but it's just taken a bit of time for London Marathon's process to catch up with the, the nature of the event that it's become. Mm. But hopefully this has done that. Okay, and the other piece of news is uh, a rather interesting report has come out, which has been published by runrepeat.com um, and the IWF. Um, it's the first ever state of running kind of global report. Um, what they've done is they've analysed um, race results from 1986 to the current day. 
I think that's something like 107 million yeah, it's man- finishers. It's, it's a lot. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's astonishing. Oh, 107.9 million race results, over 70,000 events from 1986 to 2019. And that's included 96% of US race results, 91% from the EU, Canada and Australia. And what they say is a large portion from Asia, Africa and South America. Um, there's a, there's too much stuff to go into here, but I just picked out a couple of bits, um, which is event participation has declined by 13% since 2016, mm. it, when it peaked, with 9.1 million runners um, crossing a finish line somewhere in the world. Um, oh. Yeah. So, But following on from that, uh, it does say that the reasons why people have chosen to take up running have changed from... In 1986, almost exclusively an achievement-based mm. pursuit, mm. i.e. run as fast as you can over a set distance, yeah. to myriad different reasons now. Um, they don't have statistics or a breakdown of what exactly, but obviously yeah. mental health and just physical well-being has, has come into it a lot more. Mm. And I think that means that people are, are moving their bodies and running, but not necessarily entering competitive events sure. in, in the way that they used to. Um what else? Runners have never been slower, which is encouraging. Hey, good. Really. And particularly blokes, we are rubbish, <laughs> yeah. apparently. In 1986, the average uh, marathon finishing time for men was 3.52. Uh, today, it's 4.32, so that's like 40 minutes slower. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. That's but, that's av- but that's average of an ever, yeah. ever-increasing volume. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, it's a bit like it's become a bit more mass participation. Well done, Ben. Sticking sticking out for us then. (laughs) Yeah, come on, the lads. Come on, the lads. Although for the first time in history, there are now more female runners than male runners. So more more women than men now running. As of 2018, 50.24% of runners were female. So that must have changed massively, but from the well, you think about think about the 118 adverts and and what they purport to represent, i.e., the average runner back in the day with the short shorts and the vest and the Dave Bedford moustache and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's what you think about when you think about 80s running. And, and women don't really kind of factor in that to the same extent. And then you fast forward to the Monday and it's no. they've just, yeah. it's you know, female participation has exploded, which is fantastic. Um, and one final one, um, in terms of the fastest recreational runners uh, for the marathon, it's the Spanish. For the half marathon, it's the Russians. For the 10K, it's the Swiss. And for the 5K, it's the Ukrainians, which is... Slightly like random smorgasbord of yeah, nationalities there. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. You, oh, that immediately the, like the nerd in me wants to look at like genotypes and just be like, exactly. Oh, where does the the heritage and the, the, the whatever of all these runners and they all stem from one? Like, is there? A, There's not a lot of. Do you know, you what know what I mean? Like kind of slow switch muscle fibers going on there. That's all. Spain, Russia, Switzerland, Ukraine. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Great to see the UK not figuring. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Thanks a lot, mate. Thanks for coming in. Most welcome. This is the Runner's World Podcast. So that brings us to the end of this week's Runner's World Podcast. I'd like to say a huge thanks to our guest, Brian McKenzie, and to Number 8 Studios in Soho, where this was recorded. For more news, reviews, interviews, and much, much more from the wider world of running, please head over to runnersworld.com UK. Please like and subscribe on iTunes. And a big thanks to Acast, our hosting partner. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.